You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is another Astros podcast. Welcome back to Astrolaunch. Steve Sparks hanging with A.J. Hinch here in the office before the third game of this series, the rubber game. And uh, you talk about winning series a a lot, A.J., if you get out of here. With a two out of three against Minnesota, a good ball team, it'd be a nice flight. It would be a great flight, and, and especially under these conditions, we squeak out a win in game one. We lose last night. Day game getaway day, so it's a quick turnaround. But you keep winning series and just getting series off the calendar, you're going to like the month that you have, and you like the month you have, you're going to like the, the big stretches that you have. And we're, we're piling up a lot of wins early. A nice win today would cap a, a quick road trip. We were wowed a little bit in last night's game with Colin McHugh. The, the way he looks, and it just looks like – uh, almost invigorated with this stuff right now. Yeah, he can really let it go uh, out of the bullpen. I think he doesn't have to pace himself. Yeah. He's not thinking 80 to 100 pitches. It's it's coming in with your best stuff from the very beginning. I think the power in his fastball helps his secondary stuff. His cutter gets better. His curveball gets really good. Um, he was able to warm up twice yesterday, so yeah. I think he had a little adrenaline and and, and was able to get into the game and, and be exceptionally effective. It gave us a chance to, to potentially come back. And the way he spins it with both the curve and the slider makes him an, an interesting option for it you. It does. He's, he, and I've said this when we moved him to the bullpen. Like He's not a long guy. He has length in him. Yeah. We can we can use him as a weapon, though. And, and the better he throws like this, the more he's going to get incorporated in the rotation uh, of bullpen arms that we have to keep guys fresh. It's National Pet Day. I'm not sure if you knew that. But uh, get any stories about a, a dog or a cat you had growing <laughs> up? Well, we, we um, you know, we've had pets as, as a family, but growing up I had a, had a number of pets along the way. My favorite pet of all time, not, no disrespect to my, my dogs that I've had, was a pet turtle. <laughs> and I had a pet turtle in Mississippi. I lived in Mississippi. My dad had a job, and we lived by a creek. And the best part of, of or the best pet I had was the turtle, and the worst day of my life was when I had to put the turtle in the creek when we moved from Mississippi to oh Oklahoma. How long did you have that three, turtle? Three and a half years. Did you name it? Earl. <laughs> Earl the turtle. Earl the turtle. And so I, that thing was, uh, uh, was you know, was was uh, a boyhood wonder. Yeah. Did you paint it or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. I, I treated it like gold. I, I treated it better. I mean, that and my baseball cards growing up were probably the two things I treated the best. <laughs> I feel it, it's natural for Lance McCullers to pitch on National Pet Day. He's such an advocate of pets and getting them adopted and things like that. What do you see in Lance right now? He had a little scuffle in his last game, but... Man, all through spring training, he was lights out. Yeah, he was, and, and, and it starts with fastball command, which is not uncommon for a lot of starters. His, yeah. his breaking ball is obviously his bread and butter. They loaded up the lineup with lefties today, which is probably advantage McCullers. He likes the open-ended of, of the facing the opposite-handed hitter. Um, but it starts with strike one. When he gets guys in swing mode, um, he can really do some damage. I think one thing that Lance has to fight is that urge to want to punch everybody out yeah. from pitch one. If he can get ahead, he gets into gets hitters into swing mode. He gets hitters in defense mode, and, and his stuff gets a little bit better. But um, I think today, day game, getaway day, power breaking ball is going to play well against this team. But you got to throw strikes. I think we've seen that over the last couple games on both sides, that, that the walks are just, are just death when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, scoring runs in this weather. Hey, Joe Mara looks like Joe Mara again, doesn't he? He does. He's tough. I don't like when the when the lineup rolls around and he yeah. comes up because there's, it's such a quality at bat that that uh, probably is underappreciated over the last decade. You know, he had 70 plus at bats against Verlander in his career, which shows how long those guys went toe to toe in the AL Central, yeah. uh, and just the the way that he conducts himself. He he chased a, a pitch the other day, and I 
I sort of had to had a double take. Yeah. I'm not used to him ever chasing outside the strike zone. That's that's the kind of at bats that he has. All right, AJ. Good luck today. You got it. You too. Back with more Astro Lunch right after this. Sport working from the first base side of the rubber. Baseball is the only game you can see on the radio. Catch on the way. Round ball right side into the shift. To his left out. Tuve has it in short right. Throws to first. And the Astros are 2017 World Series champions. See all the magic all summer long. Game seven on the road at Dodger Stadium. And the Astros prevail. World Series champions. Right here. We love our fans. We love the city. On the Astros Radio Network. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Paul Molitor, Baseball Hall of Famer, Minnesota Twins manager, as the Astros get set to, to take on the Twins here. And, um, you know, you when you play in this part of the country, and, of course, you're you're from here, you, you have to deal with the elements. Yeah. This year it seems like you're dealing with them a little more than, than normal. It does feel that way. Uh, I guess if you're around long enough, you can think back on some springs that just never seemed to want to arrive. But in reality, we're, we're not the only metropolitan area that has a Major League Baseball team that's been fighting it, you know, Chicago and out east. And um, it's, just been, it's just been one of those challenging first couple of weeks of April. I don't mind playing in it as much as I mind losing games. You know, you don't yeah. want to get backed up too much. And thankfully, we've only lost once so far. And hopefully, we can get through the week without missing any more. Your team, because of all the, the issues with weather, I think, what was it, a, a week without hitting on the field, taking yeah. batting practice on the field? As a hitter, how much did that would that have bothered you? Because, I mean, obviously you can go in the cage, but that's not quite the same. Yeah, it was nine days for us that we didn't get a chance to practice um, between weather in Baltimore and Pittsburgh and then back home. And, you know, I think today with the facilities that we have, it's a little bit easier to navigate around some of those circumstances. But, you know, for me, it, it, as a player, it, it was always good to get out there uh, it's it's not it's more than just the drill and the swings. It's you kind of see the trajectory and what your ball's doing, and and just to have a feel to get get acclimated to being out there running around before the game starts. But you know, a couple of days is fine, but when it starts to get to be nine, ten days, it starts to become a little bit of a concern. How much as a manager? Can you watch hitters on other teams and appreciate what they're doing, or is it, or is your focus just totally on competition and trying to beat guys, or can you watch guys and appreciate what they're doing on other teams? I absolutely can. I obviously try to see as much of a game as I can, and that's yeah. part of the job that we do. But my, you know, appreciation for guys that handle themselves well in the box and the things that they can do, that, I don't think that'll ever stop. You know, once a hitter, always a hitter. And and so uh, when you look at your team, there's obviously a lot of a lot of guys over there that, you know, they're impressive. Uh, you know, we have a few as well, but there's no question that the young core of talent they have over there offensively, they're, they're, they're pretty impressive to watch. Now, a guy who often maybe gets compared to you is the wrong way of putting it, but Alex Bregman, because he doesn't have very much of a load in his swing. His hands don't go back very much. You hit in a, in a, in a similar style. You don't see too many guys doing that. How did you develop that style? Well, that's a compliment to me that you would put me in the, in the same conversation with him. I think that that kid, he, he not only has, uh, you know, the offensive game, but the defense and the, you know, he can move around the field. You see him run around during the shifts. He can run the bases. He's smart. Uh, 
but I, I think the whole idea of making your swing more compact for me was it was because of the fact I just got tired of, of swinging the pitches out of the zone and I had to find a way to see the ball a little bit longer so I got quieter and everything kind of worked itself out um, I see young guys like that he can still hit it over the fence but he's hard to fool he's going to take his walks you know you know when he's coming through in the lineup because something good's probably going to happen for the other team how amazing is it when you see Altuve? Obviously, you're trying to find a way to beat him, and he's had some really good games here at Target Field. But, I mean, a guy his size who's able to hit for power and do all the different things that he's able to do in the box. Well, you know, I never really had a chance to, to talk with him really much through the years until I saw him at the writer's dinner in New York this winter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's he's just, you know, he's, he's a great ambassador for our game, uh, his attitude. His humility um, with all the things that he's accomplished. I mean, to string together the years that he has had, you know, number of hits, batting titles, stolen base things, it, it's uh, it's impressive. And not to mention he's a, you know, top shelf defender. So he's just hard to defend. Yeah, you know, you kind of want to shift him, but, you know, he's got good enough bat control to beat you the other way. I, I think he sees space on the field. He's kind of like Ichiro for me that, you know, they just have an uncanny ability to kind of know where they need to hit the ball to, to, you know, keep the line moving for their offense. So, uh, again, just a tremendous player, and, and, and from now personally I can say a tremendous person. Now, I think one thing you didn't get enough credit for when you played, at least when people look back at your game, is how good of a base dealer you were. You stole 504 bases in your career. 37 years old, you stole 20 bases without getting caught in 1994 with Toronto. What's the key to being a good base dealer and being an efficient base dealer, even maybe as you get older and maybe you slow down a little sure. bit? Well, you know, um, Altuve over there and, you know, Bregman, I think, is still learning that craft a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, it's one of those things, that, without getting too long-winded, there's there's a couple of components. Obviously, you know, everyone's built a little different. Their body explodes out of the block a little bit differently. And to try to maximize your efficiency with your mechanics running is important. But there's also that mental side of base dealing, you know, whether it's anticipation, um, being able to – you know, trust in what you see. There's a lot of times there, there's a little edge out there, whether it's a guy's inability to get the ball to first or catch or tip in a pitch or something the guy's doing a little bit differently on throwovers as compared to pitches. Um, you want to be efficient mechanically uh, and physically, but there's a way to gain that edge if you're paying attention to what's going on in the field. Paul Molitor, Molitor, Twins manager, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good luck to you guys this season. All right. Thanks, man. Good to be with you. This is the Houston Astros. Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.